Know this. What God said was wrong 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago is still wrong today. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I entitled this message, A True Identity. Have you ever wondered about someone's true identity? I mean, maybe it was a famous actor, someone who appears as always having it together on the big screen. But what are they really like? Are they really that brave as they appear in their action movies? Are they really as romantic as they seem in all those chick flicks? I wonder who they really are. And speaking of true identities, what about us? Do we live a little differently than who we really are? Probably. But we're not alone. Think about all the superheroes out there. They have their secret identities. Mild-mannered Clark Kent turned out to be Superman. Oh, hum, little Peter Parker was actually Spider-Man. Bruce Banner, a calm man, was really the Incredible Hulk with his famous line, You won't like me. When I'm angry. Yes, Hollywood has always created people with double lives, you could say. They create an illusion of a different character. But what happens when we, you and me, create an image about ourselves that's really not us? Consider all the online dating services. I wonder how much is really true. Are they really loving and sensitive? With a great sense of humor? Why does everyone say that? Do they really have an athletic body? Or is that a picture that they posted from high school? (laughs) It's like, you never know. Well, the reason this letter was written, that is, the letter to the church at Corinth, was to refute what false teachers had spoken. Yes, they look like true Christians, Yet their motives were self-serving and contrary to God's will. We will see the true hearts of God. We will see how God exposes Satan's real agenda while seeing the true purpose that we should have as Christians. So let's look at our first point, a jealous God, as we read together in 2 Corinthians 11. We'll start in verse 1. It says, I wish that you would bear with me a little foolishness. See, Paul is having to lower himself down to the level of the people at the church of Corinth because they keep believing all these false prophets and teachers that are coming through. So he's kind of having to go down on their level to kind of pick them up. He says, so bear with me with my foolishness, he says. But indeed, you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you, with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you as a husband, that is, to Christ, I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid, least as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, 
that your mind should be led astray for the simplicity and purity of the devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, which is what was happening, people were coming in preaching all different kinds of craziness, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beauty. Beautifully. What he's saying is, why are you accepting all this garbage that comes in that's completely polar opposite of what I've taught you, is what he's trying to say here. So Paul lays it out for us, the real problem, clearly, in verse 4. It's what these false teachers have done. Number one, they have preached a different Jesus. Number two, they received a different spirit, which led them to, number three, a different gospel another way of being saved. Yes, Paul's problem with these false teachers was not that they attacked him personally, but rather they attacked the truth of God's word with false doctrine. What they were teaching was wrong. Just like today, people will say, our culture is changing all around us, which it is. Therefore, we must modify what we once believed. So we have to keep up with culture. People aren't just coming to the old Bible anymore. you got to hit them with what's relevant here today with the kind of culture and lifestyle that people are living with. You have to accept that, or people won't accept you. This is the cancel culture, you know. Oh, well, see, sorry. God's word never changes. God's word doesn't change. See, these people, they were having the same problem back then that we're having here today. You know, they were teaching what was wrong. And again, like today, people will say, well, since our culture is changing, we have to modify it. You know, what was once sin is now, well, we need to tolerate those things now. What was once wrong, we now need to accept. Know this. What God said was wrong 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, is still wrong today. For God never changes. Galatians 1.8 The Apostle Paul says, but even though we, the Apostle Paul, or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. So he repeats himself in verse 9. And I'll say it again, if anyone preaches anything other than what we preached, it's contrary to the gospel, then you receive from us, let them be accursed. See, Paul was very direct. He was extremely adamant. He was straight to the point. If anyone, he said, even an angel floats down from heaven and preaches something different or contrary to what we preach, let him be accursed. It's an interesting term. It comes from the original Greek word ananthema, and what it means in language that can be understood today, it means to be as far separated from God as conceivably possible. Ananthema, be as far separated from God as conceivably possible. Now, why would he use the analogy of even if an angel comes down? Why would he use that type of analogy? Because it had already happened. For the devil was once a high-ranking angel, and after he fell in his mutiny attempt in heaven, we looked a little bit of that last Sunday night, he found himself booted out of heaven. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. This is before humanity was even created. 
But more on him a little later. We live in a time when anything and everything goes. That is, except for the truth. My wife and I were celebrating a one of our wedding anniversaries, and we went to Boston, of all places. We've gone to New York multiple times. I said, let's go to Boston. We've never been to Boston, you know, and I'll never go again. But we did go once, you know. It's like they have everything that New York has, but just not as good. You know, it's kind of like when you go to Little Italy in Boston, it's good, but not as good as Little Italy in New York. And then it's like you go to the Boston Commons, which is all their park and everything. You know, it's all their green and park and all that. But it's not as good as Central Park. But anyway, so we were in Boston a few years ago, and we went to Cambridge, the home of Harvard University. That school was founded with a strong Christian foundation. But they got away from the truth. And now it's become a very liberal and secular school, as you know. Now, on the campus of Harvard, there is an old Baptist church on campus. And on their sign in the window, it read, We are inclusive and we are a progressive church. Listen to the classes that they were teaching at this church on campus. Deities from secular humanists and Muslims. Yes, we have drifted so far from our biblical foundation, the roots that we had in this country, we have so drifted from them. I think about what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's what we've done. We've taken the truth of God's word and we've, we've traded it for something that is untrue and false. But let's not forget, when God says something is wrong, it's wrong for a reason. If I set rules for my kids when they were growing up, which I did, does that mean that I hated my kids when they were growing up? Or did I set rules because I loved them and I wanted to protect them? You know, sometimes we have to protect them and protect us from ourselves. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 14, 38. Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me ask you here tonight, given over to whatever your weaknesses might be, or the thing that is alluring to you, can you really trust yourself? Take your biggest weakness. Can you really just put yourself wherever that place is, looking with that thing and having you know that temptation right there? Do you really think that you're going to stand for that long? I mean, really, seriously. If you keep putting yourself into that place, don't you think you need to stop putting yourself into that place? But moving on, when God says no to something, it's a warning based on his love for us. It's to keep us from the future ramifications of that sin. Know this, God's plan for us is so much greater than what we have planned for ourselves. But back to our text, these people, the false teachers that is, were trying to teach the people at the church at Corinth about a different Jesus. They were being led by a different spirit. The message was different. It all sounded good on the surface, of course. Some things sound so good on the surface. Oh, well, you know, everyone's doing it. What's the big deal? People can talk into it. It tickled their ears. Yes, why not do what everyone else is doing? 
but it wasn't true. That's the point. It was wrong. And no matter how good something feels at the moment or how much it might be accepted in the culture in which we live in, if God says it's wrong, there will always be a price to pay for that. There'll be a price to pay for that rebellion. You know, people say, well, you know, I want to sleep with my boyfriend or I want to sleep with my girlfriend. I want to do this and whatever. Well, what happens when you get pregnant? And don't say it can't happen to you. It happened to me. I got a girl pregnant in high school. Okay, all I can tell you, it can happen. Then all of a sudden, now you've got all kinds of decisions on your hand. What are you going to do now? So you think, oh, but wait a second. It's fun. Everyone's doing it. Well, now you've got a big problem on your hands. See, that's why when God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And a price will always be had for that. But why should Christians confront false teaching? Isn't it better to just kind of, you know, blend into the woodwork? Because we are to stand against what modern culture says. Whatever happened to his each his own, or if it's two consenting adults, or if it doesn't hurt anyone, know this. As Christians, we are called to be, listen, bearers of truth. Bearers of truth. It doesn't mean that you have to have veins popping out of your neck. It doesn't mean you have to get angry at people. But we're called to simply tell the truth to people. And isn't that what real love is? Isn't real love telling someone the truth? Or is it better to say, oh, you know what? Do whatever you want to do. It's all good. You'll get to heaven. And then that person does whatever they want to do. And then they find out when Jesus says, "Uh, depart from me. I never knew you. What? No. The other person told me it was all good. No, it's not all good. It's not good. We are called to be bearers of truth. We are called to speak the things that are truth. Each one of us has been given a great privilege, and that's to proclaim his light in these days of darkness. For judgment is coming to every man and every woman because they're going to stand before God, and they'll have to answer for their every sin. Yet God desires to forgive us. That's the only difference between us and someone else's, our sin happens to be forgiven, not because we deserve it, but because God made a way for us. That's why he made a way of escape, that we could escape that judgment through his shed blood for us. Paul said in verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Yet, isn't jealousy a bad thing? I mean, a dictionary defines jealousy as resentfully suspicious or, or even envious. It can cause fits of rage and plant seeds of mistrust. Yet jealous in this context means to be watchful, careful, and guarding, to keep and requiring exclusive loyalty. And that describes who our God is. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4.24, it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. That's why the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments is have no other gods or make no other images and worship them. God says, no, you're not going to have anyone else. You need to just worship me. Our God is a jealous God. And that's his true identity. That's what drove him to the cross for you and for me. See, when we're jealous in our own flesh, it breeds what? Mistrust and anger. It's being jealous of someone else. But God is not jealous 
of us, he is jealous for us. That's the difference. And because of that, God demands our exclusive loyalty. Again, why? Because if we don't love and serve him, then we'll simply love and serve someone or something else. And that will draw us away from his perfect plan for us. It'll sever us from him. We can do whatever we think is right in our own eyes. We can call all of our own shots. We don't have to have any accountability. It was Frederick Nietzsche, the 19th century philosopher, who declared that God was dead. His last 11 years of his life, he went completely insane. Yeah, so, Mr. Nietzsche, how'd that work out for you? Oh, not so good. Know this, without question, we're not part of an evolutionary process. You and I, we are unique individuals evidenced by the fact that God created us with a complex DNA strand that runs through us that none of us are alike the other person. It separates us from other seven point what three, four billion people on planet Earth. We were created in the image of God to have fellowship with the creator. He says he created us and he breathed his life into us. Isn't it odd how we don't have a battery pack to run us? We just seem to run. Isn't that weird? We are created like that. Yet because God is for us and not against us, it says that the first man and woman were created sinless. But as Paul pointed out in verse 3, we, de- we were deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. Not you and me personally, but Adam and Eve were. And if we were there, we probably would have fallen to the same thing because do we not still fall to temptation here ourselves? But yes, they, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, which caused all of us to be born in sin since the Their DNA was tainted. Now we are born with tainted DNA. Yet because God is jealous for you and for me, he came to this world. He died on the cross for the sins of all humanity so that you and I could know him still instead of being severed from him. Yes, there is a divine creator. He's the one who made you and me. You and me have a purpose that has been given to us from the foundation of of the world. We have purpose. There is a reason why we exist, and there's a reason why we exist now in these last days. And that, once again, is to reflect, it is to mirror our relationship with God in this world that we live in. So that people, when they look at us, they don't just see us, they actually see Him inside of us. Now, Paul, as a Christian, He became a changed man. He was no longer who he was, the murderous man that was trying to wipe out Christianity. He, like us, was being transformed in this life. Transformed comes from this really awesome word called metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. Meaning like you were one thing, you were something But now you're something completely different. So you started off as this one thing, but now you're something completely different. And I can say that's true about me. I was just the most selfish and I was a thief. I I stole from my employer. I just, I lied and cheated all these things, but, but God changed me. 
I am no longer that person that I once was. I've been transformed. There's been a metamorphosis that's happened from the inside out. He was taking on, this talking about the Apostle Paul and what should be happening in our lives. The Apostle Paul was taking on the attributes of God. And now he had a godly jealousy for these people. He wanted them to know God. Meaning, like God, he was jealous for them, and he was jealous that they would not be deceived. Paul said in verse 2 that he wanted them to enter into heaven one day as a pure virgin. This terminology that's consistent with the Bible is where Jesus is portrayed as the bridegroom, and we, the church, are portrayed as the bride. Yes, God's true identity is that his jealousy stems from a tenderness and a passion that burns in his heart for the welfare of all humanity. And that's when God talks about us. He uses the term that we are precious to him, meaning we are his prized and valuable possession. So when he said, In Psalm 139, that I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb, and before you had one day, before you came out of your mother's womb, I knew all of your days. And he says, my thoughts towards you are precious, and the sum of them is like the sand of the sea. Think about that. We are precious to the living God. Think about another thought here. He knows you exist. He loves you. He knows every hair on your head. There's seven point two or three, four billion people now, whatever it is. And it's just like, think about all those people. But God knows you, knows everything about you, and you are precious to him. Wow, that's crazy. But let's look at our second point here, a deceiving foe. Because it's not all perfect in paradise here, is it? We have a deceiving foe out there. Let's read what it says here, picking up in verse 12. He says, but what I am doing, I will continue to do that I may cut off opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter of which we are boasting. So he's saying, look, I'm calling these people on the carpet or teaching false doctrine. Verse 13, for such men are false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder. Verse 14 says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants as righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their deeds. Know this, the church here in Corinth was so caught up in the razzle-dazzle of these boasting false teachers who relied on their smooth and slick speech to captivate the minds of the listeners that they were actually being led astray by these false teachers. But in chapter 10, verse 17, Paul's boast was in the Lord. And he was willing to talk about himself and his calling to turn over the false accusation of these deceivers. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in our next point. But notice, Paul calls these guys on the carpet for who they really were. In fact, back in verse 13, he calls them false apostles, deceitful workers, 
Those who are just wearing a disguise of apostleship. Look, anybody can say anything they want about anything they want to talk about and about themselves. But whatever a person says has to be weighed against the truth of God's word. And according to Jesus, God's word is truth. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 